Good morning and welcome to ASL's HR in 10. Um, as you know, I'm Jason Perry and most Thursday mornings, um, Kimberly Bradshaw and I get together and talk about some of the latest developments in HR. Slight change of plan this week. Um, Kimberly Blesser isn't available to join us, so I'm delighted at short notice to have Paula Sanders, who's the HR manager from Chaffin Works, to join us. So let me just bring her in and see if the technology is working for this. Paula, good morning. Are you with us? Good morning, Jason. How are you? I'm very well, thank you, Paula. And good. thank you so much for joining us at short notice. No worries. I'm delighted. Um, I've invited Paula to join us as she is, as I would describe, the model of excellence in HR management. So no pressure now, Paula. Um, what, what I thought would be good was to talk about some of the approach you've taken at Chaffin to managing this crisis. Over the past few weeks, Kimberly and I have talked about things about testing strategies, about approach to vaccination, and about uh, mental health and emotional well-being. So. I know you've done quite a bit of work on this. Let, let's start with, with, with testing. You, you've implemented some degree of employee testing, haven't you? Yeah, we did. Back when NH, NHS testing sort of became a bit more prevalent and the test and trace system came out, there was that small blip of the in, sort of non-availability, really, for people to get tested. And just to reassure staff, just to reassure ourselves that we were on top of everything, we managed to get ourselves some tests, uh, train some in-house managers, um, and yeah, we were able to provide testing where we couldn't get hold of NHS yeah. testing, which is still, you know, my preferable way of dealing with it. Hmm. But yeah, we were able to at least get first ideas of whether we had a problem, whether someone had, you know, an, a COVID at all, and that we could deal with it really, really quickly and get on top of that. Yeah. And how, how did that go down with your people? How did they respond to that when you kind of said, we want to do this? incredibly well they're very very good at participating we work in the construction sector predominantly so health and safety is sort of key to what we do so there is sort of a normality if you like between a sort of more regimented more sort of structured approach to, to that kind of thing um but no they were really on board with it and we actually had people proactively asking you know can i be tested i don't feel well you know yeah. can i be tested by the company i don't feel comfortable going to an nhs center so, you know, I think they really took it on board really, really well and were quite pleased that we were proactive in what we were doing. Yeah, superb. And when you've looked at the whole COVID safety of the workforce, um, has that gone in the same kind of way? Have you had the same positive take-up when you've started demanding masks? Or Talk us through how you've handled that. Yeah, well, again, like I say, in the construction construction industry, we're led a lot by risk assessments. Every job that we attend has its own risk assessment attached. So that world for us is pretty normal. Um, so when we had to do our own COVID risk assessment for the whole business, we actually shared that straight away. That first draft went out to all of our staff, all of our operatives across all of the businesses and all of the offices, and we asked for their input. We, we have that kind of thing going on anyway. We have regular health and safety forums that they can attend where genuinely the management is put on the spot by the staff. Mm. Um, it's all, you know, minuted. They ha we have to come back with answers. So, again, we've already got that culture already set up. So they're quite used to being consulted, um, included in those kind of discussions, which is really good because it meant that we could write an assessment um, ask them if we'd missed anything. Are there any loopholes that we just haven't thought of from a site-based perspective? Um, which I think means that they sort of felt, A, that we were really looking at it, B, because we included them, they felt that they really were participating in it. Yeah. And again, with regular updates and statements from us, just sort of 
to just you know reassure them and just sort of remind them of the key points of that risk assessment they sort of felt that it was constant but supportive yeah and i know one of the things you and i have talked about before hope you don't mind me raising it in this format but i know you and i have talked about before is the um, within the wider economy the kind of whistleblowing approach because i think there's a figure out there that something like 51 percent of employees have whistleblown in some way during this crisis and you said a really interesting thing to me a couple of weeks ago on this point. So uh, do you want to talk about how you handle when people do have concerns? Yeah, I mean, again, we have a very open culture. Again, the construction was sort of based around that kind of thing. So the expectation is if something goes wrong, if something you feel isn't right, it isn't a case of whistleblowing as such. It's a report it straight up the chain of command. That's mm. it. You report everything. And it always has to get dealt with. So we use things. We use a, a little app for what we call near misses, which mm. are instances that may have caused an issue. It, it even goes as far as feedback to us, um, proactive things that the guys have done as well, where they've seen something, they've proactively tried to prevent a problem that maybe somebody else was causing. Um, and utilising those kinds of things means that I don't think anyone feels that they can't raise an issue. Yeah. Um, it, it's sort of normal and natural in our world to say, I don't think this is right, or I don't think you thought about this, or actually this happened on site, we need to address it. And it just allows us to be very reactive as management team to get on top of those things instantly. And that is an instant system that we're yeah. using as well. So anything comes through and it needs to be dealt with, it'll be dealt with immediately. Yeah. I mean, you've effectively developed a culture where any criticism is welcome and any feedback is good. Absolutely. And that, that works at every level as well. And every member of staff has the ability to speak directly to any of our directors as well. Everyone is freely available to every member of staff. So there isn't sort of a specific chain of command, as it were, that they have to follow. Mm. They can speak to whoever they feel comfortable. If they feel comfortable talking to me, then I'm the one that will raise it with the directors and, and move on from there. Superb. Superb. Let's talk, I mean, HR in 10, we're trying to fit a lot in 10 minutes. We've still got a little bit left, but let, let's talk a little bit about the kind of emotional well-being and mental health. Um, it's, I, I think ACAS have described it yesterday as they hope the enlightened approach to uh, emotional well-being may be the silver lining of this crisis. And how do you take your approach to emotional well-being and uh, the, those type of issues within Chaffin? Really seriously, I mean, construction, it's, it's known in construction that about 13% of all workplace suicides were in construction between 2011 and 2015. Right. It's a massive number. Um, and obviously with some of the plant, those kinds of things, let's say, you know, there is a higher risk available to, to people rather than maybe working in an office. So there's always been a construction industry approach to mental health and well-being. A lot of it would be like mental health first aid, those yes. kinds of things. We've chosen not to use mental health first aid as we've, we've chosen to do a more relaxed approach in that all managers are aware of potential issues that might come up, potential pointers. So, for example, someone being excessively happy very suddenly for no apparent reason, which is, a, again, a key point. Um, again, tired, stressed, anything like that. And all of our managers are just aware, just have that very basic conversation and a very basic conversation at that, which is, are you OK? Yeah. Do you need to talk to anyone? And we don't sort of try and diagnose people. We have an employee assistance program in place with paid, qualified people that know what they're doing. Yeah. I don't want to be about, you know, we're not qualified to do this. I don't expect anyone to be. Um, but that's what we utilise. You know, and when we really need to, we'll, we'll get in extra help. We'll, we'll buy in specialist help for 
staff if it is needed. Um, and we, we, we really do pride ourselves on the fact that we look after our staff. And when they do have issues, we want to get them back into work. Not only because it makes us money, bluntly, the, the bottom line, but because they're our massive asset. You know, our company is nothing without our staff. Mm. We need them healthy. We need them working. And we want to get them back into work as soon as possible. And obviously, we don't want to lose revenue, potentially, to mm. top off. I mean, yes. when you think that potentially, what, £2.4 billion a year is lost to mental health issues alone to businesses in the UK, that is a massive cost. And I think there's a lot of businesses, be they small or large, maybe don't actually realise that those odd days off unpaid, those first three days of any sickness period, that you don't pay. Granted, it doesn't cost you, but it does actually cost you on the bottom line from a business perspective. Yeah. And that's what we thought about. And what, what's your take on how that's changed during the pandemic? Do, I mean, has it changed in chaffing? Do you see it having changed within the wider local economy, people's approach to well-being and mental health? I think for, for chaffing particularly, we always had sort of a, a bit of a finger on that pulse. We always have had, like I say, in the construction, we, we do. With COVID, I can tell you now we have seen significant instances of, you know, mental health issues. But it's not necessarily work-related. It's it's the it's the other stuff. It's the family stuff. And what I keep sort of saying is, it's life stresses, but wrapped in this lovely insulating blanket of COVID. Yeah. It's just amplifying. Yes. On an everyday basis, you'd be able to deal with, but now is just a little too much. Yeah. And, and I think it's not just chaffing that's seeing that. I think it is prevalent across the UK. Um, and I don't think when COVID hopefully finally ends, we may have a different issue to deal with coming out the other side yes. um, rather than worried about you know everyone sort of self-isolating that kind of thing is maybe reintegrating them back into a more social workplace mm. social lifestyle again because you know by then we could be looking at a year two years of social distancing yes. being away from people so by no means is mental health and well-being going to be off our radar anytime soon as HR. Yeah I think you summed it up beautifully with it it amplified existing problems um, so on that note, I'm going to bring this to an end. It's been delightful. Thank you very much for joining us, especially at short notice. But this is HR in 10 and we've spoken for 10 minutes. Thanks so much, Jason. Paula, thanks a lot. Have a good day. Bye bye. Bye.